0: Welcome to Simply Secure, a Logicalis Insights podcast. Each episode, we present and simplify a different security topic. If you're confused by the complexity and amount of security technologies available, then this is your podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Cisco. Now, please welcome your host, Ron Temsky, Vice President of Cybersecurity Network and
1: Workplace Solutions for Logicalis. Welcome to Simply Secure. In this episode, we're continuing the discussion we had with Aaron Woland on the prior episode, and we're talking about Zero Trust today. So we're going to pick up right where we left off from the last episode. We're going to continue our conversation with Zero Trust. So Aaron, thank you again for joining me on Simply Secure. Before I ask the question, I'm going to make my own comment, um, because I know I hear it a lot too, and you had even talked about it in in your opening comments, right, that you work with a lot of large organizations. And I think there's a misconception in the network that, well, zero trust is is for the Fortune 100, right? It's it's not for my company, and I really don't think that's the case. Um, particularly if you look at zero trust as a mindset and a goal, and to your well stated point, you can't achieve zero trust. It's it's not a a, a benchmark, and then you can say, "Whew, well, that's out of the way. Now we're done," right? It is a constant journey, and it, it's not something you're ever done with, it really is the, the mindset. So I think it's important that anyone listening to the podcast understand this can apply even to the smallest of businesses. Now, yes, your scale at which you will look at zero trust might be different, um, but it really it really is applicable. Which leads me to the next point, which I think is probably the most important part of this, where I see a lot of confusion in the marketplace or struggles, whatever word you want to use, Is zero trust, particularly now zero trust extended, it it can be daunting, right? Particularly if you have the mindset that I have to do all of this, you can get, you know, analysis paralysis and end up doing nothing. So let's look at this from a purely practical standpoint. Forget the textbooks, forget, you know, the, the guidelines. If you're an organization and you want to start down the journey to zero trust, but we want to be practical. We're not going to do everything. We want to hit the areas that provide the biggest benefit. Can you comment your thoughts on that practical approach? Where where do you start? How do you prioritize if if you're new to this as an organization?
0: That's a great question. So the, um, and, and I will tell you, it is completely and utterly subjective, not objective meaning that it's going to depend on the organ- your organization, your level of maturity, the investments that you've already made. So I'll, I'll give you examples, but every organization is going to be a little bit different. Um, and, and size of the organization just re- reminds me of, a, of the heated discussions we got into when we first acquired Duo. You know, here is a thought-leading security organization, and they do They do things really beautifully. There's a reason we acquired them. Um, And, uh, you know, it's been a great company to work with over the years and uh, over the year plus already. And uh, and integrating them into the fold here at Cisco has also been just, believe it or not, really great. Um, Can't say that about every company. I can definitely say it about Duo. They've been fantastic. And we learned a lot from them. And I think the other way around also. Um, but one of the one of the debates we got into in that zero trust working group um, af- post acquisition, and we're we're sitting in one of their offices in it, in um, Austin, Texas, and we're going over you know zero trust as a whole strategy because here was a company that was purely focused on what Cisco now calls zero trust for the workforce. Right. That's that's where they play. And they are fantastic there. And they're only getting better, which is the great part. Um, And it was really new for them to think about zero trust from the workload or zero trust for the workplace, which is the the way we termed it all now. Um, And they start saying, well, there are a lot of companies out there that just they don't have workplaces. Right. They don't have IOT in their environments and everything is in the cloud and you know they don't have infrastructure to secure and i i'm sitting in their own office and i'm like really that's an interesting concept and and would you say duo is one of those companies and person no longer works there by the way but but he was a great guy and it was funny to have this interaction he says um he says yeah duo is one of those companies we're purely cloud we you know we we use you know we were all g suite we have chromebooks we you know Et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, that's, that's really, really interesting. Okay, well, you know, so I noticed I'm in your environment right now. You know, I'm in your conference room and I'm on your wireless network. I said, and I see these devices all around me in this conference room that are on the wall that, you know, they, they project videos of people so we can have video conferences. And there's a little Linux-based appliance sitting right outside this conference room door that tells people when it's active or what meeting is scheduled for it. Like, what do you think these things are talking to? You wouldn't consider that infrastructure, and it was it was like a light went off uh, over top of his head, and he was like, "Well, you know, I guess we do have infrastructure." So we, anyway, it, little little anecdotal story there to say that you know many organizations they, they um they, they tend to think about things the way they tend to think about things, and sometimes it just takes somebody. A couple seconds to kind of point it out from a slightly different perspective, and let them realize, "Wow, you're right. Those devices are talking to Google calendars, which have access to other Google calendars, right? And are part of our. Um, they have data. They have you know that's part of our G Suite. And if they can get into that, what else can I get into then? If I'm within that little calendar based um, calendar based uh, um, IoT device that's sitting there outside of that conference room." And um, uh, with that said, uh, there are businesses out there that can follow a model like Google's BeyondCorp, which is an, an example architecture for zero trust and a darn good one, mind you. But it's assuming that all of your devices are managed within the G Suite device manager. And it's assuming that all of your applications are modern enough that they can go through you know, the, the the user gateway that's there. And there's there's a lot of assumptions that get made that maybe aren't necessarily true for the majority of the businesses that I get to work with around the world. And, and ranging from small mom and pop, you know, sports medicine offices, all the way up to some of the largest retailers you've known to the world. And it's, it's rare to find an organization that truly is, unless they're in startup mode, someone that only needs to focus on zero trust for the workforce. Um, and so the, the question then comes down, and this is where it's subjective. If your organization has focused very heavily already on implementing something like Cisco's Identity Services Engine or any of its competitors, right, something that is segmenting your network, which is one of the things you have to do in Zero Trust, right, something to say, I want to provide role-based access control or least privileged access control to the network, then maybe that's where you need to keep going. Maybe that makes the most sense for you to chunk that piece off and keep working down that path. Or you have different teams that interact differently across different pieces of your organization. Right. So um, and if that's the case, you can do things in parallel because it's different teams doing the different pieces of work. You know, the the teams that would implement something in the data center to analyze and protect workloads, which, you know, applications, micro micro microservices spinning up and talking across applications, probably be a very different team than the ones who are doing the endpoint posture assessment and access control to the network which will probably be a different team than the ones providing the access control to the applications where Duo fits in, right? Or, or any of the modern IDPs and so on. So if you have different teams that can all focus on things, fantastic, right? You can work on the three separate work streams, completely separate, and try to try to come up with, with a, a, you know, getting your organization closer to Zero Trust. But if not, and you're a small organization like many of the ones that I do get to talk to and work with, then it's where where are you most comfortable? Is it on the network access control pieces? What have you done over in the applications? Maybe implementing Duo or something like Duo for application access control is a super easy button, right? And it's it's really quick way for us to get a good win to down the road towards a zero trust strategy overall. Right. And maybe that's the easy button for you to start with.
1: Yeah, those are great points. And in fact, um, I think current world conditions are even emphasizing this need. Right. So we're recording this podcast in June of 2020. The world is still mostly under lockdown from a global pandemic and we're all working from home. That many organizations were were unprepared for. We're recording this podcast in our respective homes, you know, going over the, the internet for the, for the uh, the recording, and I think it's brought a lot of attention to organizations because it really drove home, well, that perimeter idea really doesn't work because I sure don't have a perimeter now, right? And many organizations aren't having their employees VPN to, to get back to there. so I think that's raised awareness. Um, to this concept, which if there's anything good to come out of this horrible pandemic, it might be an increased awareness um, on that. If I were to try to summarize, I want to make sure I'm, I'm being fair to your position. Given that so much of, as you mentioned, Zero Trust in Jericho was built really on data, if you wanted, a, uh, I guess, a simple answer of where to start with Zero Trust, does it make sense to say, well, first of all, where is your data who has access to the data? What level of access to the data do they have? And what can they do with that data? I realize that's an oversimplification, doesn't cover the whole thing. But is that kind of a simple way to, to summarize how to start, or am I missing a nuance there?
0: So if you that, – that, first of all, that's a fantastic question, and I really wish it was an easy question. Um, the, well, uh, I'll take that back. The easy answer is yes, of course. Um, but the reality is and and it it is absolutely amazing to me and, and I, I tell you I get to meet with because of where you know because of the position I'm in thank, thank which I happen to love and, and I am thankfully able to meet with probably hundreds to thousands of customers every year between conferences and and other events and things like that it, it is astounding to me how many, Customers that I get to meet, they'll tell you we don't really know where our data is. Um, so this is we don't really know all the places. Let's use Cisco IT as an example because this is public, and we we love to we love to use ourselves as public examples. we did a study internally at Cisco a while back to say you know how many. How many applications do we use where our data is outside of Cisco's castle, where it's outside of our data centers? And Cisco has some amazing data centers. And we thought, um, I think they figured they'd come back with maybe a dozen, maybe two dozen tops. And what they found was the number was over 300 and change, right, um, of applications that were hosting data outside of our castle, right? And it was just absolutely eye-opening to have a 10x, you know, 10x your expected number comes back. And that's at a company like Cisco that analyzes everything. We've got a huge incident response team that is just, you know, amazing and world-class. Yet somehow, like, they were like, we think we have a couple dozen and it's hundreds, right? So it's 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 extremely rare to find an organization that actually knows everything that they're using and how it's supposed to communicate. And that's ultimately, believe it or not, that's how Cisco sells a lot of StealthWatch and Tetration products. Uh, And I'm not just, there are other ones out there. I'm not just pitching Cisco here. But what, what something like a Tetration does is it maps your workload communications for you right? And it says, okay, these workloads talk to these workloads. Well, this microservice that spins up all the way over here, that actually talks to this microservice over there. And it starts to give you an idea of what applications are talking to each other and where that data is. And then there's lots of other products out there that are focused on data loss prevention and the classification of assets based on the types of data that they have, which is a whole other problem. Right. And so, you know, there's now I'm going to scare off all of the listeners and I apologize for that. Right. Um, What I'm trying to say is you're never going to be able to have, in my opinion, you're never going to be able to have a complete foothold on everything that's in your environment prior to starting one of these projects. And you're going to have to learn and adapt during the project and start to reclassify things. Right. And make changes. And don't think that you need to go out there and figure out where every piece of data you have is and make sure it's all pre-classified so that you can provide access. But maybe you just start with, what are what are the key things to my business? Let's put in the appropriate access controls for those, right? Let's make sure only the people in the right groups with the right levels of trust, right, are able to access those pieces. So, for instance, um, I worked with a worldwide retailer once that um, – they have PCI data all over. And and one of the, the PCI is, is for the payment card industry, right? And you're talking about credit card numbers and the things that are really high value targets for an attacker to try and go get. And they need to make sure that the only things talking to a server that could have PCI data on it are members of the correct Active Directory group, using a corporate asset that is corporately managed, its posture assessment passed, the vulnerability scanner didn't find anything wrong with it, and they were coming in during appropriate work hours. And only those humans meeting those requirements between themselves and the endpoint they were using could gain access to those segments where the PCI data was. However, there was still also point-of-sale systems that have to talk to those same PCI servers. And that's not going to meet that same use case. So we had to make sure that the point-of-sale servers had a certificate. And that certificate was correct. And the point-of-sale server itself, or a point-of-sale system, right, um, passed its vulnerability scans and all of these things. And then we would move them into a very specific segment on the network. We'd provide them with a tag. Um, We call them SGTs. And they were also able to talk to those PCI servers, right? And this was only after a breach did they get this restrictive on access because they did get breached. They did lose a lot of credit card data. But th- this is the type of thing, you, you find the things that are super important and you start there. You don't try and boil the ocean and create one segment for every work, you know, every line of business that you have and every type of user gets their own classification or assignment because that's that's you'll never win that game not not starting with it from that much of an uphill battle you start by knocking off some of the easy buttons and then you
1: you you continue to progress from there yeah that makes a lot of sense um so thanks i, I want to kind of wrap things up and summarize for users so here's some of the takeaways i got from our conversation which i think is is great advice for for anyone listening right the first is that this really can apply to any organization, any vertical market. Yes, the degree to which you pursue it might might change, but, but don't be intimidated and think that this is only for large organizations. And I think th- the points you just made are perhaps some of the most important. You can't wait until you have... You think, you have every piece of data you need, you know where every application lives, every file, every database. You'll never get started, and you'll actually be that much worse off as a result. And recognize this is a journey. It's just like security, right? People ask, well, am I secure? It's like, well, that's kind of the wrong question because it isn't a yes or no question, but you're asking it in that manner. It's all varying shades of secured. You may be secured from one type of attack, but not another. And I look at zero trust as the same way. You're never completely com- uh, compliant, textbook compliant with zero trust, but it's a great aspiration. And, and it's really, as you put it, Aaron, a great mindset, a great way of thinking about security more than anything. So for our, for our listeners, I hope this was beneficial to you. Hopefully you got some ideas. Uh, I really hope you walk away a little bit less intimidated by zero trust and maybe some ideas, um, where you might start. So Aaron, I I really want to thank you for, for joining us today. Uh, it's been a great conversation on a very hot topic, um, in the market. And I really appreciate your personal insight just as an area, you know, as you mentioned, you've worked in before it was even called zero trust from the, from the earliest days. Uh, any other closing comments we didn't address that you want to cover before we go?
0: (laughs) Um. No, if you can't tell by how much I've rambled, I think you've probably spoken for about three minutes of the entire podcast so far, and I've spoken the entire other time. Uh, it, it's a topic I love. And I could go on with it for hours and hours and hours, um, and I think you covered it very well. Um, it, it it is a journey, not a destination. I hate that phrase, but we'll use it anyway, right? Um, it's it's a good mindset, and it it's it's a great way to think about security as an augment to the things that you do around threat prevention and the the hotter topics around, you know, have I been breached? Am I affected by, um, you know, am I affected by this uh, uh, latest worm that's going around or, or, you know, other other exploit that's made it out into the wild? Um, those are still there. This doesn't replace it, but it's, it's a really good mindset to augment that and ensure you're in the the best case that scenarios that you can be in. Um, you know, y- you do mention things like um, the fact that we're all, thanks to COVID-19, right, we're all recording this from home right now. And, you know, we've, we've been – I haven't set foot in a Cisco office in quite a long time. We, we, we canceled Cisco Live Melbourne, you know, or Australia. We canceled Cisco Live U.S. Um, you know, they canceled the Mobile World Congress – uh, there's, there's so much this world that's changing that also had just does go out there and show you right now that just how m- m- far down the de-perimeterization path we really are. Um, some people will call it a software-defined perimeter that you need to go create. The idea is that you need to be able to provide access to the things that people need to do their job from wherever they are, but ensuring that they are trusted users and trusted devices Right and trusted applications that are accessing your other applications, and it's and and that's what zero trust does try to provide.
1: That's awesome. Uh, again, I really thank you for joining us today, uh, on behalf of Logicalis and our sponsor Cisco, I'm Ron Tempsky, and I want to thank you for listening to our Simply Secure podcast. Please remember to share your feedback and suggestions at Simply Secure one word at us.logicalis.com. We'd love your suggestions on what topics you want to hear and how we can make this show better. We're only on episode two, so definitely looking to make sure this is a podcast that you, our listeners, find valuable. So have a great day and please be safe. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Simply Secure, a Logicalis Insights podcast. For more information about the
0: solutions we have discussed or to become a guest on an upcoming podcast, please contact us at simply secure at us.logicalis.com.